Here are the Tastemasters we'd like to continue to preach personal health. Our friends at Drip IV Utah will help you feel like a whole new person again. Backed by an experienced medical control group, Drip IV will help you repair, feel rejuvenated, and rehydrated. Say goodbye to colds, migraines, low energy, and hangovers. Drip IV has an on-demand IV treatment loaded with fluids and nutrients to bring you back to feeling 1,000%. Oh, and guess what? They are 24-7 and 100% mobile. That's right, family. They come to you. The Tastemasters team will be using Drip IV for any and all big industry events, celebrations, and if we happen to get sick. Give Drip IV Utah a chance. Head to DripIVUtah.com or call or text 385-301-6279 for a booking. When checking out, drop the code TASTEMASTERS15, that's right, TASTEMASTERS15 to save 15% off your first Drip IV experience. Trust us when we say a Drip IV a day will keep the doctors away. Until the next IV, my friends. Shout out to our sponsors, Kings Peak Coffee Roasters. Located on 412 South, 7th West in Salt Lake, Kings Peak has a wonderful coffee shop and roastery with great atmosphere, delicious coffee, friendly baristas, and plenty of parking. Offering to help anyone willing to learn coffee, Kings Peak is the place to go. Kings Peak is ethically and sustainably sourced, believing that everyone in the coffee supply chain should be properly supported through fair compensation and powered by real human-to-human relationships. Open Monday through Friday, 7 to 2, and Saturday and Sunday, 9 to 2, you will feel loved the moment you walk through their doors. For any questions or inquiries or wholesale, visit them at kingspeakcoffee.com or just head on over. Good chance you'll see us there. Until the next coffee, my friends. Listening to the Tastemasters, where we sit down and learn from artists within the world of craft beer, liquor, and various fermentation techniques. All right, family, we are here in the heart of Salt Flats Brewery in Salt Lake. And I look at this. We have the, the tanks over here, mm-hmm. free flowing beer. Well, not free, paid flowing beer. <laughs> and I got this brand new sexy still behind us. And then and I have next to us the distillers of Salt Flats. I have Trent Moore and Rachel. Rachel, welcome. I haven't met you until today, right? Yep, no. Welcome. Thank you. It's nice meeting you. What's your last name? I didn't ask that. Swain. Swain. Rachel Swain. I like that. Thank you. Uh, First, I want to start with you. That's okay. okay. How did you become part of Salt Flats Distilling? Well, it's something I always wanted to do. And because I didn't do any like formal training or schooling, didn't think I'd ever get the chance. Hmm. But after the last two years... You know, I think we've all kind of reevaluated our lives, our lives <laughs> and what's important. So I decided to take a chance and I'm extremely excited. They hired me on and I've learned so much. It's been great working with Trent. He knows just about everything about distilling. Hey, about distilling everything. But. It feels like any question you've got, Trent knows the answer or he'll direct you on where to look. So yeah, yeah that's how I've gotten into it. That's awesome. That's what's good. How long ago did you start here at Soft Flats? Um, almost a year ago. Congratulations. How did I not know this? What? 
Were you always in distilling, or were you somewhere a part of the brewery? I was doing a lot of the packaging at first. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Were you ever here after hours? Because I usually come around this time after hours. Oh, no. We're off early. Oh. In early, out so early. I never cross paths. Well, I don't recall crossing paths with you. I do apologize if we have. That's okay. Anyway. We're meeting yeah. today. Yeah, hey. <laughs> so, Trent, to you, my man. Yeah. You have a new toy in the background. I do have a new toy in the background. And uh, how many columns are in total, actually? So, this still has basically like a whiskey column on top of the pot mm-hmm. and then it has next to it a vodka column okay and you can run them both together in order to get that vodka proof that has to come off of the still at 190 proof 95 percent alcohol or higher um it's so basically sexy. i can make anything with this thing <gasps> anything huh anything oh man you're kind of giddy at that. you're like excited mm-hmm. to break this in it's not been ran through yet here at salt flats correct not yet no we just got it built I think like a week and a half ago, two mm. weeks ago, and then um, we're just waiting on steam supply. I'm excited for you guys. Be, from what I understand, it might be up and running by Friday, maybe Monday. Okay, so. so by the time this episode comes out, you would have done a couple runs on this. Yep. Oh, I'm pumped. I'm so pumped for you, brother. Oh, Yeah, me too. So Trent, I need to ask this question. How the hell did you get started in the distilling world? So funny enough, I actually went to school for brewing. Like, I have a really? degree in fermentation science and technology. Where from? Where uh, Colorado at? State University. Gotcha. And part of that program, you have to do a internship at, like, a local company. Well, preferably local companies. You don't want to be driving, driving hours back and, hours. and forth. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a 50-hour internship kind of thing. Um, and the competition was pretty fierce. There's, there's like, 20, 30 plus people per class doing this. So wow. um, I ended up actually at a distillery instead of a brewery. And I used to be a big home brewer, and I always thought brewing would be my future. But then I took this internship at the distillery, and I actually like found all the ins and outs of distilling quite fascinating. There's like a whole new kind of adventure to go on. And so really? I started there. Um, just as an intern, uh, that turned into a part-time job. And then from there, I ended up taking a position out in Indiana to kind of start a distillery out there. Uh, that lasted for about two years, but I was kind of missing like, you know, Colorado, Colorado born and raised. Um, so I was kind of missing people out in Colorado and I had some friends in Salt Lake City and I was just putting out feelers of you know, job opportunities and Salt Flats had a opening. They were hmm. wanting to open a distillery themselves. and so, so they weren't distilling prior to you being here? No. Oh, wow. They brought me on to start up the distillery. Um, that was about three and a half years ago now. Three and a half years ago. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And so you kind of just took it as a, well, send it kind of thing, came here. You already had two years of experience. Did you open that place in Indiana? Yeah. So um, you, had, you knew how Yeah, I spearheaded that. Um, I kind of knew the ins and outs of, like, what to do, what not to do. That was, like, kind of my first foray into, like, the design uh-huh. of a distillery. Yeah. So I brought that knowledge with me. That's beautiful. Uh, there's uh, what, what did you distill out there in Indiana? Everything? Out there, we were, out there I was distilling, we were distilling bourbon. They wanted to do a moonshine. I'll mm. put that in quotation marks because... <laughs> Everyone can see the air quotes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, moonshine. I have a whole spiel on that. Um, 
but we were doing that in a gin, barrel aged gin. That's kind of how I came up with like the start of the recipe that I have here. Um, and just kind of a couple of different iterations on gotcha. that moonshine. That's really cool. Did you ever, well, that's Indiana world. Then you came here. So then what's it like having a, an apprentice now? Can Rachel, can we call you the apprentice? I like it. Yes, absolutely. It's like a Padawan. You know <laughs> what I mean? So how, what's it like to have an apprentice now? Because you've been here for three years, three and a half years and haven't mm-hmm. had, a, basically the guys come and help you out sometimes, mm-hmm. right? And you help them out vice versa. But now you have yeah. someone to help you out full time. Here at Salt Floats, yeah, we kind of cross-trained throughout the entire building. Mm-hmm. Um, any given day, you can find me half in the brewery, half in the mm-hmm. distillery. Uh, I actually did have someone prior to Rachel. <laughs> Whom was that? His name was Cameron. Okay. Maybe. Uh, he came on, like, right before COVID. Mm. Uh, he stuck around through, like, some of the sanitizer days, because we oh. did do sanitizer during, like, the beginning mm-hmm. of COVID. Yeah. Uh, but then he took a job doing something he wanted to do is like fish, wildlife, good for him, conservatory kind good of for stuff. Him. Um, and then the distillery started to like ramp back up after COVID, and that's when we brought Rachel on. And so, like she said, she's been here about nine, ten months now, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm I'm used to it now. It it is a little weird. Because out in Indiana, I was a solo, solo one-man kind of show. So it is weird having help from Rachel, like having an apprentice. But it's super helpful. I know I can, like, rely on her to do That's some, cool. like, do things while I do it's other things. a good relationship. Things. Good yeah. partnership. I know I can rely on her to get things done while I'm doing other things. And I don't have to, like, constantly, like, go back Check and forth. Her. And, mm. like, I'm not running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Gotcha. Rachel, what's it like to uh, be here at Salt Flats and learning from? Is this something you want to be doing? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, because you re- reevaluated your life in COVID. Yeah. You were done Netflixing and chilling. Done with that. And then you decided, how, like, I'm, I'm in it. Like, how did you reach out to Salt Flats? How did you find this job out? I saw it listed online, and I thought, why not take a chance? The worst they could tell me is no. Yeah. They told me yes, though. And originally, I thought I'd be doing more on the brewery side. Is that what you originally wanted to do? Yeah, originally. Okay. I didn't know much about distilling. And when they moved me over there and started teaching me more, I found a love for it. Mm. And you use a lot more like math and chemistry than okay. you would think. And so it's kind of nice to have something more technical like that, using your brain, everything you learned in school. Oh, what? Actually putting it to What's good use. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> but then, you, did you see, I mean, did you ever brew did you ever learn that process hot cold side a little bit you know i couldn't i couldn't make a beer for you yeah you enjoy beer though (laughs) of course and you enjoy spirits as well oh absolutely did you prior to working here um somewhat um tasting it throughout the process of distilling Mm -hmm. you really learn like what it tastes like in different stages Mm -hmm. and so i've actually found more of a joy in gin and bourbon than i did before gotcha now i could say i like it but prior to you were like yeah you know i was more Uh, like a vodka rum tequila uh, girl flavored rod vodka absolutely you know what i am not against the flavored vodka (laughs) (laughs) still to this day not gonna judge you not gonna judge you but then now you're here uh learning all the process of spirit making do you ever see yourself not doing it no i think i finally found what i want to do that's so cool it is really cool. You know, I was always envious of people who all growing up knew what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when am I going to find that thing? 
So really I'm happy cool. to have found it. Oh, congrats. I'm really happy for you. Thank this you. This is awesome. Uh, Trent, going back to you, I want to know, uh, you've been producing award-winning spirits here mm-hmm. um, over and over. I mean, uh, this the screen over here, it keeps showing me medals upon medals upon medals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like the Michael Phelps over here, uh-huh. I feel like. Um, no, when you won your first award in a spirit making here in Utah, what was that like and what was it? Um, trying to remember. That was a was it the vodka? Ago. It was actually, or was it so the, like the biggest thing that, like the first and kind of biggest thing was the American Craft Spirits Association puts on a craft spirits judging each, I think it's like March, it was like right before COVID happened okay. and it got pushed back a bunch. We entered, I think, three or four of the canned cocktails that we do. Oh, cool. Maybe, like, two. I don't even know if we had all of our spirit lineup by then. But uh, the Kentucky Mule actually won Best to Show. And oh, got cool. Silver, which I always thought was kind of funny that Silver got Best, best to, to Show. show. <laughs> silver. <laughs> but it's kind of cool because um, it came with this barrel head engraved with like best of show canned cocktail and it had like our and it's hanging up in our front room it's kind of like a nice flex almost uh, yeah that was your like, was check yours. out this barrel head like yeah i did that um i will say a lot of unlike the beer community where like you have gabf and world beer and cup. world beer cup where you, like you get you know one gold one silver one bronze yeah. A lot of the craft spirit competitions, they'll give you a medal based on, like, what they judge that spirit to be. So if they judge that spirit to be, like, a 70 out of 100 or higher, you'll get a bronze. And so a lot of these competitions, you'll see, like, 10, 15 bronze, like, 20, 30 silvers, and, like, a bunch of golds. So that kind of takes away a little bit of that. It kind of does. It's, like, a little hidden, like, industry secret. Hmm. Like, yeah, I can say I won gold and, you know, the bourbon or the vodka, but in the grand scheme of things, like, I'm not too worried about the medals. I'm more worried mm. about, like, talking to customers one-on-one, seeing what they think of it. Yeah. I just had a guy come in recently, and him and his wife gush over our gin. He's like, yeah, my wife... Like, only drinks your gin now. She won't drink any other gin. And that's what really makes me feel good. It's that's not cool. those, like, metals. Right. Like, they're cool, but those are more just, like... I feel like, like in the beer industry, the hardware kind of helps sell. Right? I mean, yeah. it's because it's yeah, more... Yeah, because it's, it's a prominent judged. thing. So, yeah, is there kind of like harder. a GABF or a World Beer Cup when it comes to spirits? As far as something that just gives you, like, that single gold and single silver in a yeah. category, I don't think there is. Hmm. Um, why not? Do you know why not, or why they wouldn't be? Why are spirits not judged like they are? I'm not positive. Kind of like one, two, three. Honestly, hmm. I, I know a lot of competitions, and there's competitions like this in the beer world too, where it's kind of a pay-to-play kind of deal. Yeah, right. Like you can pay some money, you get the medal, basically. Right. Um, but it's those higher competitions. But those that have, higher competitions, I know a couple of our beers on the brewery team. side have some silvers and like bronze from the world beer cup and stuff yeah. like that and so and that's those that's are huge. yeah that's huge yeah like that's actually like but it's not like that in the a spirit big world, panel man. no it's not like that in the spirit world damn dude but it's hmm. i mean still like you have a panel of judges and if you get a gold you're they're saying like your your spirit's good yeah but it right i feel like it takes a little out of it when you know there's like 20 other people getting gold right so then what's uh what's because i in, in 
I like in the beer world, it's, uh, I think, I like the quote, beer before glory. Mm-hmm. But when you get the glory, like that, acknowledge me, like, hey, you did it, the accolade. It's great. It's awesome. Like, hey, I did some, I, I made some of the best product at this competition in the world or in the country, okay? So what is it for, as a distiller, what's your drive? What's not, I'm not saying that metals are my drive, right? Or a mm-hmm. brewer's drive, but it does, it's awesome. Like make, be acknowledged, like, hey, this is a good product, right? So what's something as a distiller, a goal for you? What's something that is the uh, golden ticket or the, uh, the bee's knees, if you will? I think the biggest drives for me are one, just the creativity process of it. Like creating something new, creating something in general. I've always loved creating. Like, that's why I'm a big cook, too. That's right. We were you talking were making about some that curry earlier. earlier. Yeah, Let's go. We were talking go. about cooking earlier. Like, I love creating stuff. That's one of my biggest drives. And then the second one is going back to that customer. Like, those personal one-on-one conversations are kind of what drive me. Mm. When a customer comes to me and gushes over a spirit, that is what kind of like keeps me going, keeps me motivated to come out with like one, a quality product and two, a unique product. That's really cool. Uh, Rachel, what's some, a product that we haven't seen here at salt flats that you want to see come out of salt flats when it comes to the distilling side? Oh, I have a few ideas Let's that go. may, may be up. in the works, right? Ooh, yeah. I know. Is that something we should start talking about, Trent? Uh, yeah. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, I told her she could pick one thing to like focus on and kind of come up with a recipe and I'd help her out. And Ooh. like we'll make it off of this new still. So. Yeah. Can we know the secret? Or is that a hush-hush secret? Which is fine. Oh, no. I don't, <laughs> mind. I don't <laughs> mind talking about it. Uh, I'm definitely leaning towards brandy. Ooh. It's actually a rich history of it in America. Okay. I'm, I'm all ears right now. All, yeah, all apple, headphones right Apple now. brandy was a huge thing. And um, they actually, during <laughs> all that prohibition, took out orchards. Mm. We actually lost a lot of apple varieties in America due to that. Assholes. I know. So I thought it would be awesome to bring that. I am interested in brandies. They're great. Ooh. Definitely leaning towards cognacs, but you know. If, we're, it's, if it's made here, it's brandy. But is, mm-hmm. is cognac a, does that have a... Uh, it's a Appalachian kind mm-hmm. of thing. Is it a well sought out in Utah, though? Is there cognac? a market for it in Utah? Yeah. Oh, there huh? could be. Yeah. I mean... You're just making I, it because I, you can. It's an <laughs> imported product. So cognac uh, has to come from the cognac region of France. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but here it'd be called like apple brandy. Uh, Armagnac is another one like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh but going back to the rich history of it, yeah. uh, Johnny Appleseed. We all know about Johnny Appleseed. Oh, yeah. He's planting apple trees for... For brandy. For brandy. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really yeah, cool. that's like not hear that kinda detail. Like, no, that kind of gets deleted a little bit. The whole yeah. Johnny Appleseed part. But I mean, beginning history of American history, there was ciders. Apples are what you know drove... Mm-hmm. You know, apple was a huge uh, product here. Yeah. We used to make everything out of apple. And now it's like, I feel like Beer is a huge flex, and then you got, you know, seltzers and non-alcoholic and spirits, and then you have a little small category of cider, but cider's fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, that's what brandy is. So brandy distilled is the cider of cider. the yeah. distilling mm-hmm. world. Yeah, it's pretty Ooh. much distilled cider. I love this. This is really cool. Yeah. Uh, when, do we see, when can we see something like this uh, launching out of the old oh, stuff? as soon as we've got that still up and running. Oh. We can start working on the recipe. Which is on Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fingers <love> crossed. <laughs> we'll have to have you back for oh, a yeah. taste test. I'll come back anytime yeah. you want. Uh, Trent, when it comes to distilling here at Salt Flats, what's some what's some growth opportunities you want having have happened here at Salt Flats to make you uh, 
get all the goals you want as a distiller. Have you reached all the goals as a distiller? Is there still things you want to oh, put in that belt? Stuff I still so what's want, something yeah. here at Salt Flats that you want to see happen? Um, well, with this new system, I can pretty much make anything. So really, I just want to create cool. unique spirits, kind of play around with different grains, different substrates. Um, it's not always a grain. Uh, but yeah, just kind of continue... I know there's a bunch of different stuff in the pipeline that our owner wants to do. Mm -hmm. And some of those things I'm super excited about. Cool. Uh, like flavored vodkas. I used to do that at the place that I internshiped at. In Colorado. Um, yeah, in Colorado. Mm, I'm all uh, on shout board out to for Copper that. Muse. That's my, that's my roots. So I want to shout out Copper Muse. They're in <laughs> Fort Collins, Colorado. If you ever find yourself there, definitely try them out. Copper Muse? Yeah, Copper Muse Distilling. I like for that. Spirits. That makes me happy. Uh, we're ever going to see an agave spirit coming out of uh, Salt Flats. Ooh, I hope so. Yeah? Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to see that. Cause agave I feel like is really hard to ferment. Mm -hmm. That's the big thing. Is that why it's like you don't see a lot of it here? That's the primary reason, yeah. I know New One, agave, agave syrup is pretty expensive as is. Um, and that's one of the limiting factors. Mm. But... There's a certain, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's a certain um, compound in agave syrup that most yeast hate. They won't ferment it. Like, they won't, they'll actually, like, kind of go dormant in a way. Really? Yeah. Uh, there's a certain yeast strain that does ferment agave syrup, but that yeast strain usually likes real warm temperatures. That's why it's made in Mexico and, like down south uh and yeah these temperatures you're talking like 9500 degrees fahrenheit so instead of cooling a ferment like a fermenter to keep it at a steady temperature you actually have to like figure out how to keep your fermenter mm. like warm yeah heat it up throughout the entire thing very fascinating i had no idea about that yeah it's i'll have to hit you up with what it is yeah i would love add that it back in but if you had the if money wasn't an issue, would you love to? Have you ever fermented agave? I haven't fermented agave. No. Would you ever want to? I mean, I, I definitely like want a, to. Yeah, I want to give it a, give it a crack. I feel like you have to. As a brewer, I feel like you have to at least brew the styles once ish, maybe. Yeah. And so I feel like as a distiller, you got to distill the things at least once ish. Yeah, try them yeah. all. Yeah. Run through the gambit. Yeah, and that's that's something I feel like you don't see a lot. It, it makes sense though. The more up north you go, you don't really see agave being distilled but down south it's way more prevalent mm -hmm. mm, you guys are my, my worlds are just going <laughs> so here's something i want to ask you guys so if salt flats heaven forbid ever were to uh make a bad beer and you needed to dump said beer <laughs> in the drain can we take that beer right across the room and distill it we can um i think trent's already collected some that i he's have planning done that before experiment with when i first <laughs> uh when I first came on at Salt Flats, they actually had a problem with one of their beers, and they had to dump a bunch of it from cans. And we oh. just ended up popping those cans into one of our fermenters and then piping it into the still. And I ran it. It, it came out quite interesting. It was a... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Without giving away the beer. Right. The product was funky, mm -hmm. was weird, was Yeah, it was a more phenolic beer. Hmm. 
And so it had a lot of interesting flavors after it came through the still. Uh, I didn't get a whole lot out of it because it's, at the time, I think we were still at 4% beers. Ah. So when you look at yeah, like three and a half years ago, yeah, for sure. 80 gallons of 4%, you get Jeez. like maybe, if you're lucky, 10 gallons off of it. Right. So I had it stashed away for a little bit and then I turned it into cleaning alcohol. Oh, can we go on that note real quick? I, yeah. I, I, this is something that really broke my heart. So when COVID happened, mm-hmm. uh, Salt Flats was one of the first, I feel like, that came out and said, hey, we're making hand sanitizer quick now. It's, it's in. You guys got the go-ahead to make hand sanitizer by the state or the government, whichever one it was. Uh, Someone gave you the green light yeah. to make, uh, to work. I think both. And so you turned a lot of product into hand sanitizer, which I think I still have some in the car I use on a frequent basis. So thank you, by the way. But... Did you have to put some of your special products into hand sanitizer? We didn't have to put anything special. I mean, there was a little bit of gin that we had to use for it while we were kind of sourcing out. Because we wanted to basically use our capacity as a distillery to bring in, like, denatured alcohol and alcohol from, like, the bigger companies Mm -hmm. and turn that into a product that, you know, helps hopefully save lives or at least, like, keep stuff a little cleaner yeah um and so while we were sourcing that we did have to turn some of our gin into hand sanitizer it smelled great i bet it did but would that kind of break your heart though that was the gin you worked it hard did for. break my heart a little was bit was it any of it barrel aged by chance no none of the barrel aged stuff no barrel aged product went into the hand sanitizer because that, it can't or because there's no way in hell you're gonna let that there's go there's no way in hell i'm gonna <laughs> let that. that that stuff has to sit there for several years so yeah well the Barrel H gin is only there for a couple months, but yeah. still, it's a it's a it's an investment, a time investment in making those products. So during no way that, that COVID, that you know, making hand sanitizer, did you happen to uh, take a break from distilling? You kind of have like I got to now transition to this instead of creating uh, new spirits. There was a few months there. I think between about like April or May and July, June, July. Sure. A few months there where basically we were just cranking sanitizer out. We brought in a truckload of denatured alcohol that we could turn into it. Um, we even have a little bit left over still, mm. but I think Did it's it- all expired. Basically, all the you had to mix in like hydrogen peroxide and hmm. uh, glycerin in order to make sure that it didn't dry out your hands too much. And then it was like the World Health Organization had a specific recipe that you had to follow there. Oh, those okay. Times. So you didn't have to like uh, pull this one out of your ass or had to like figure out how to make it. They kind of gave you a. No, they were very particular in how you made it. If you made it any other way, they would they'd get you. Mm. Um, there were several no distilleries that were just like winging it, like throwing like just pure alcohol into sanitizer bottles, and mm. they got they got dinged. Uh, I don't know of any local people. Uh, hmm. Huh. That did yeah, break my heart, a, though, that there, gin. Yeah, oh. there's a very special recipe that you had to follow. Good. Are we ever going to see that again anytime soon, do you think? If, if, uh, I haven't forbid a, a pandemic. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> like, I don't think so. The funny thing is, during that time, not only were we cranking out sanitizer, but the alcohol industry, people were at home, bored. So they're going out, and they're getting stuff to drink at home with yeah and so that was about the time that some of our products came online at the liquor stores and so we had to make those products while making sanitizer it was a a few hectic months there busy there yeah it was a few hectic months like that's like i said i had a apprentice then right 
And then and it was hot as hell in here, I believe. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Like it gets pretty warm here in the summer. Yeah, especially all that's going, the equipment's yeah, going. Yeah, all the equipment's mm -hmm. going. Uh, especially if like the brewery's doing something and I'm mm -hmm. doing something, and I'm also making a cocktail on the brewery's three and a half. <laughs> like, yeah. This, this building gets real hot and real humid real yeah. fast. Well, I'm glad you helped save lives, Trent. I don't know if I would say save I lives. I think you did. Rachel, I mean, Trent saved <laughs> At lives. At least keep of things course. clean. Keep things clean. <laughs> Squeaking clean. <laughs> well, on that note, my friends, we're going to take a quick break, refuel, and come back. How's that sound? Sounds Perfect. Good. Easy. Shout out to our newest sponsor, IM Bar Holistic Healing. As a family, we here at this Tastemaster team want to advocate self-care and wellness. Life is a beautiful journey and can have many stresses along the way. I Am Bar Healing is a wellness studio focused on integrated holistic health, wellness, and healing. They are here to offer modalities, tools, technologies, techniques, and support in all areas of healing that are unique to you, both individually in private one-on-one -on -one settings and collectively in group settings. Deep healing is a journey of education, empowerment, and owning one's responsibility for personal health. Healing techniques such as yoga, reiki, sound bath, educational seminars, massage, breathwork, and so much more. I Am Bar Holistic Healing is a one-stop shop for all things healing, health, and wellness, ranging from esoteric energy work to allopathic medicines. Check them all out on social media platforms or online at eambar.co for all updated events. I personally choose I Am Bar for all my breathwork sessions. I tell you this, it's changed my life. Investing in yourself is priceless. Become your higher selves, my friends. Shout out to our sponsor, Solstice Malt. Solstice Malt is Utah's only craft malt house producing premium malt from local barley, oat, rye, and wheat. From farm to bag, Solstice Malt has a loving hand in each step of the way. Floor malted, flaked, raw, roasted, smoked, and everything in between, Solstice Malt does it all with pristine technique. Supplied and trusted by breweries, distillers, and all brew supply stores in Utah, we highly recommend using grain from Solstice Malt. For any inquiries or any questions, reach out to Solstice Malt on all platforms or shoot them an email at solstice at gmail.com. Remember, without malt, there is no beer. Until then, next malt, my friends. Outlaw Distillery's coffee rum is back in stock. Outlaw makes some of the best rums in the game. Don't believe us? Head on over to Outlaw Distillery located at 552nd West, 8360 South Midvale, Utah for a tour and tasting. Their staff is well trained and leads with full passion. With homegrown grain to glass, Outlaw Distillery carries some of our favorite weekday sippers like vanilla bean rum, spiced rum, honey bourbon, and that delicious bourbon whiskey. Trust us when we say it should be outlawed. It's so good. Yeah. Until the next spirits, my friends. All right, guys. So we're back, and I have some questions for you guys off the top of my head. Rachel, yeah. you guys do the canned cocktails to go. Okay? Yes. Award-winning. We talked about the Kentucky Mule. I went mm -hmm. out there and saw the, the barrel head. Congratulations. Thanks. 2020. That's awesome. Uh, do you guys still pump out, pump out a lot of the bartender to go series? Yeah, actually, I think uh, Long Island and the Tequila Sunrise are our most popular. Mm. Feels like we're doing those like every other week. Yeah, and uh, are they located? Where can I get these if I were to go? Uh, I want to purchase them. I want to go grab these cans. 
to go. Um, yeah, those two are in the liquor stores. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple more are too, aren't they? No, just the Long Island and Tequila Sunrise are in the liquor stores. Oh, okay. um, we have, I want to say, five other ones here at the brewery distillery that you can come and purchase from our package agency. Um, we have a gin spritz, Cuba Libre, which is basically rum and cola with lime. Uh, sex on the beach. Okay. We call sex on the flats. Sounds horrible. Sex on the flats. <laughs> that sounds like a bad time. Sounds horrible. Not going to lie. It sounds salty. <laughs> exactly. I, I guess sex on the beach could be salty, too. That's true. That's awesome. Um, I guess don't knock it until you try it. And I, Sandy. Yeah. Okay, let's look, be positive, guys. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I positive. love it. I like flat services. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also have a, my personal favorite, actually, is the bourbon lemonade. Ooh. It's super refreshing. Does that one have your Bonneville in there? It does have the Bonneville oh, wow. in there. Um, we also do a, the Kentucky Mule. Yeah. That was actually in the liquor stores for a while, but. Yeah, that's my favorite. It. I think I'll agree with you on that one. It got my discontinued because it. Went into the stores during that COVID period, uh, like I was saying. So now it has a good And so it didn't have a whole lot of sales through the liquor stores. So if you're not going to sell during COVID, then fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, there's That's not a fair. whole spiel on ah. the DABC I could go on, but I think I'd be canceled probably by the state. <laughs> uh, what else is it? There's one other one. I don't know. That's 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 your uh, neck of the woods. And uh, rum drinks, right? You have more rum drinks? Uh, no, we just have the Cuba Libre. Uh, it's gotta be one more. There is one more. I remember. Is it the Tequila Sunrise? No, that or one's or the one in the store. But out of all, out of all the ones, what's uh, ones that you've changed multiple times? Have you changed multiple? Have you kept them the same? Are you always changing them? Are you always making? I'm always kind of tweaking them a little bit here and there. Okay. Uh, the ones in the stores, I kind of try not to. They're because being, it, they're doing they're, well. They're, yeah, they're doing well. They're they're going out to a much larger population than mm -hmm. the ones that go out of our package agency. But I do still kind of tweak those around, and I'm about to tweak the Tequila Sunrise for any Tequila Sunrise fans out there. Okay. Um, it should hopefully remain similar in flavor. It's just going to be a little less volatile. It has a lot of juice in it. It's like 60% orange juice. Hey which is, uh, mm -hmm. it sells out in the can, which I hate. Um, if you don't, like, invert it when you're mm -hmm. drinking it or you don't pour it all out at once, you're going to get, like, a bunch of tequila at the top. Damn. And then just, like, a, a <laughs> thick <laughs> amount of, like, orange it, juice like just, at the bottom. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be real <laughs> That one likes to sell out just because of how much juice there is. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to be tweaking that one just so that I can use less juice. But keep that same flavor. Uh, is it something that, are you going to bring anything? It's a large rotation. Are you going to bring a new one? Are you going to bring uh, experimental bartender to goes? Can you? I don't know what you guys can do license-wise and what, you know what I mean? Can we do a, I don't know, like a gin margarita one or something? Gin margarita. don't know why I would put gin. Sounds horrible. It. But you know, right? Yeah, that's like a gin spritz. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Gin Just something, something new, something different? Uh. The gin spreads was our, or actually the sex on the flats was our last iteration. We uh, started doing that like a year ago, probably. <clears throat> and that's kind of like a kind of seasonal almost. Okay. Not seasonal, but like limited release. So we I only more do it like once release? or twice a year. Uh, there's more of those in the pipeline, uh, mm. but 
I think we are going to be focusing more on the bottled spirits. I like that. In 2023 with the new still. So I'm, I've been been liking rum lately. Rum's kind of my jam. Mm-hmm. And uh, also Derek's jam at, at Strap Tank. He's a big rum advocate. You guys do have a rum, right? It's the mm-hmm. Parabola, am I right? Parabolica. Parabolica. So talk, talk to me about this. Uh, when it comes to doing the rum, are you guys using cane? We're using... Uh, t- talk, talk me through the process about you guys' rums. Um, the rum that we produce is mostly, yeah, it used to have some molasses in it, but the molasses that I was getting, I wasn't happy with, and mm-hmm. it kind of created an off-flavor in the first couple batches. So I just kind of switched to a mixture of brown, like dark brown sugar, mm. to kind of give you a little bit of that molasses. Yeah. And some of those funkier flavors that molasses can kind of come up with. Yeah. And then... A mixture of just regular white sugar. That's cool. And then what about your vodka? You guys have vodka. When, you, when it comes to vodka, uh, do you have different iterations of the vodka or is it just the one vodka? So we have two vodkas. Mm-hmm. We have our premium brand. It's a mixture of wheat and corn. Ooh. And then we do have a well brand that we, we source the alcohol for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like pure corn with a little bit of extra kind of like barley and um, I believe it's sorghum mm. that they use. And gotcha. that's just kind of to, one, make it cheaper, and two, uh, have some of that diastatic power to break down those enzymes. Gotcha. And so There's it's a not lot 100% corn, but mm. it's, it's pretty close. But it's still but. filtered the same way as our... Yeah. 622. Right. We, we filter it all the same. We filter it through a carbon block filter and then through a sediment filter. Oh, cool. And so that makes it nice and crisp, nice and smooth. Mm. So our well vodka is still, even though it's sourced and a little cheaper, it's still a really good brand. Good. And you guys are going to cheap on the taste, right? The finished product is quality. Yeah. And it should oh, be absolutely. that way. Absolutely. When it goes I think to you guys, our vodka is the smoothest I've tried. Hey. It can get mm-hmm. dangerous. Oh, yeah, it can. Hey. Add a little too much on New Year's kind of. <laughs> oh, no. Bring it into 2023. Like half a bottle. Easy there, oh. Trent. <laughs> so going to your gin, I want to talk about your gin right now. You only have one gin, correct? Two gins. We one have gin. two gins. Okay. Um, we have, well, you have they're the basically aged. the same gin, though. Right. Um, same botanical charge. Uh, we have our GT gin which is our normal, regular, everyday yeah. clear gin. And then we also have a barrel-aged option. Which is which delicious, by the way. I love that gin. I put so that good. into used bourbon barrels at about 110 to 115 proof. That's like that perfect alcohol percentage to pull out a lot of the vanilla in that is in uh, like charred Within wood. Within the barrels? A lot of, yeah, a lot yeah. of the vanilla and the caramel. And so the end product is this, like, sweet vanilla caramely gin, and it, like, amplifies the cinnamon and the orange specifically, those two botanicals that are in the gin. And kind of gives you that, like, kind of burnt, like, candied orange. Yeah. And, like, muddled, like, mulling spice from Mm. the cinnamon. Mm. It's just such a good product. Yeah, my mouth is watering. (laughs) How about you guys? But I feel Mm -hmm. like that one is a really good... Uh, barrel aged gin, and that one can be drank neat, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in any cocktail. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good one. I haven't had it yet, but I think it would make a amazing Negroni. 
Ooh. Just that and a little bit of rye and some yeah. Campari. Let's try it. Definitely. Let's try it. <laughs> um, then you guys got some whiskeys, right? Talk to me about some whiskeys. I know you got the, the cannon or the yeah, cannonball, right? Not cannonball, the uh, Bonneville. So we have Bonneville. Uh huh. We have the cannonball rye. The rye, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, is that one made with rye or is it the rye barrels that are giving the rye? It's made with rye. Okay. So No, okay. So all whiskeys not all whiskeys, but most whiskeys have to be aged in an oak container. It doesn't necessarily have to be American oak. It can be French or Hungarian. Uh, but, yeah, that's... To classify the, as the, bourbon, the, the right? Rye, yeah, the bourbon, the rye, <clears throat> the single malt that we have, they're all aged in, like, the same barrel. Okay. It's just the mash bill that's different. Mm-hmm. So you have... With bourbon, you have to have 51% corn. Ours is about... I want to say 60, 65% corn. Nice. Uh, a touch of rye and a touch of oats. That's really cool. And then the rye was about 55% rye, 45% malted barley. Ooh. And then kind of vice versa for the single malt that we just came out with. Nice. Well, what was that one called, by the way, that just came out? The Brickyard. Brick Brickyard? <clears throat> yeah, it's a five-year single malt. So that one actually didn't make... Um, that one was procured with all the equipment that the distillery bought. They bought a liquidating distillery out of Colorado, funny enough. Ah, uh, perfect circle. Yeah, out of Boulder, <laughs> funny enough. <laughs> I didn't live in Boulder, but I live close to Boulder. Uh, and with it came some aged inventory, which is where a lot of, like, the rum for the Cuba Libre came from. Ah, and that single malt. And I kind of, when we got it, it was like a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. And then I let it sit for the last three and a half years yeah, before. Did. Are you going to age more? So that aged rum you received, are you mm-hmm. still sitting on that? I'm not sitting on that. I harvested it. Um, I don't have like a whole lot, but I might come out with a, like a spice drum with it. And then uh, the yes. rest is probably yes. used for another uh, canned cocktail. Maybe See, why can't we future? do a, a spiced canned cocktail? Spice I rum. Mean, we could. Yeah, mm. okay, taste masters saw flats. Uh, spiced yeah, rum. We'll do a collab. I love this. Yeah. So going on that note, in the brewing community, I feel like there's a lot of uh, camaraderie. There's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, family ship, right? There's a lot of people coming together. And I asked this to multiple distillers in the distilling community here in Utah. It's not as predominant as you would in the brewing scene. Mm-hmm. It's kind of. Uh, I see it as almost like introverted. Like, uh, I mean, there's some distillers out there that are very friendly. I'm not saying that all distillers are assholes or, you know, I'm not going. Thank you. But, I'm an asshole. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, there's, there's other of, your, of our family making distilled spirits. Uh, why, it, why is there not more of a kind of a, a guild going on or a uh, distiller's uh, collaborative effort? I don't see a lot of that going on like you do in the brewing scene. I think a big portion of that is... The craft distillery scene has lagged behind the craft brewery scene by about 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So back in like the late 90s, early aughts, we saw like that big increase in craft breweries, right? Yeah. And it just went exponential growth. Um, we haven't really seen that until just recently, last like five years in the craft distilling industry. But that is trending the same way, just like exponential growth of 
craft distilleries across the um, states. Right. And so I think that has a portion to do with it, um, just that it's less established. Okay. I feel like back probably back then there's less camaraderie between breweries. I'm not sure. I mean, I, mean, I, I was in high school, was like early college. So <laughs> no, I get, I think that's completely valid. So why not someone in the distilling world mm-hmm. trying to bring all those ships together to raise these tides or whatever how that saying goes? But you know, bring them all in and kind of bring this family together and make a, you know, like hey, I need. Well, how do you make your vodka, and how do you know trade secrets, and kind of helping each other out? Because mm-hmm. we saw just barely before we came in here, I brought some beverages, and we were just hobnobbing and sharing, you know, you know recipes and whatnot. And, and I, can, is there a way that we can do that with distillers in Utah? I'm sure there's a way we can do it. And, and do you see it happening soon? Possibly soon. Hmm. I feel like it might trend that way. I think another like big thing is that there's such a big home brewing community. Ah, and so like the home brewers are used to like you know sharing recipes, picking each other's brains for stuff. Whereas home distilling is only legal in one state, and I think that state is it's either Missouri or Mississippi. So the the laws governing distilling mm-hmm. is more structured and more hardcore than they are in the brewing industry. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so definitely that's hinders yeah. kind of creativity a little bit. Yeah. I can see that. Just being able to try new things. You can't be like, guess what I made in my garage. <laughs> Shh. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could do that. Yeah, but, uh, but you shouldn't. Yeah, I'm sure they, like, there's tons of camaraderie. Like, there's that show Moonshiners and stuff. There's tons of camaraderie <laughs> among the illegal, like, right. backwoods, like, <laughs> distillers. Um, but when it comes to, like, the commercial distilling... It's so regulated. Yeah, and you've got to like submit recipes to get them approved before you yeah. can actually like make them. Oh damn! As a brewer, that would suck. Yeah, I'm so, making beer left and right. You know, right? Mm-hmm. I got to submit my recipe for, and you have to approve it and wait for somebody to approve it. Yeah, and yeah. like Come federally, back. you know, that's not just like a state. Yeah, it's law. not a state thing. Oh. It's a federal thing. You have to. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah you it's have pretty to, strict. Most things you have to get approved. Most like flavors and stuff like that. If it's yeah. like a, a staple like vodka, mm. uh, bourbon, rum, you don't usually have to get those approved. But if you have something wacky like a habanero garlic vodka or dear lord, like a, a coconut don't. rum, or <laughs> <laughs> right? Like any of those wacky things, you have to get approved. And that takes some time. It does. Mm, it takes a couple of weeks for That's formula approval, and then mm-hmm. you have to go through label approval. Mm. So, if you can't, can can you collaborate with another distillery? How would that work? Do I come and make? Let's say I had a this, you know, distillery, and I came and we made a vodka with my grain and my recipe on your still, or a collaborative recipe. You know, is there? How would a collaborative spirit work i think it works all the same as like a collaborative brewery recipe uh i honestly haven't heard much of it like yeah i haven't seen one i mean i think there's less camaraderie for sure in the community and hopefully that changes over the next like five ten years there is a go for it there is a forum uh it's like american distilling institute Mm, adi uh they have a forum and there's tons of like Real knowledgeable people on there sharing their trade secrets, stuff like that. Yeah. But a lot of the camaraderie is just not the same as the brewery side. So if you could 
and so collaborate you don't with a distillery, whom mm-hmm. would you guys dis- or dis- uh, collaborate with? Uh, I'll let Rachel go first. Okay. Oh, of any? Of any. In Utah. Let's go in Utah, Utah oh, first. In Utah? And then if you want to go outside Utah, hey, then we'll go outside Utah. Let's oh, keep it local de- right I'd now. I'd definitely be interested in Five Wives. Five mm. Wives. Yeah, kind okay. of a creative marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sex mm-hmm. on the flats with five wives. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> like, Thank you. You just came up with our idea for us. <laughs> sounds like a wonderful time. <laughs> and then for me, Trent, if you I could. Would personally want to collaborate with Water Pocket, probably. Water Pocket? Mm. Water Pocket. Alan right? over there? Yeah. Yeah. I hear he's a real geek, kind of like me, about yeah, and about the spirit. So he's creating some like real long lost kind of recipes, some amaros, some and funky that's really kind cool. of stuff over there. I feel like awesome. I would uh, geek out if I were to brew with. I, I do geek out when I do collaborations mm-hmm. and I brew with somebody. I'm just geeking out. I don't care who it is. It's just they always. I always learn something from a collaborative effort. It mm-hmm. just makes sense. Are there? Uh, Coffee roasters or kombuchas or breweries that you guys would like to collaborate with? Is there something that we can do, like a coffee, a coffee rum or a coffee mm-hmm. vodka or a, uh, I don't know, a sake something? Is there, I mean, is there something we can? Yeah, that would uh, be interesting. You guys ever thought of like collaborating with somebody besides the distillery? Has even crossed your mind? Um, there really. have been a few like opportunities. I don't know. It's not the right time, right place. Not the right time, right place. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a bitters company. They make some really good bitters. It's called Grand Grandier View Bitters. Okay. And they're making some really interesting flavored bitters. Yeah. Uh, she, the owner, came in probably about a year ago, dropped off some samples, and it's just not the right time. But that actually might be something that I'd that's look- really cool forward to in the future kind of more like, like, like bartender bottled cocktails yeah oh. like those higher proof cocktails that you you don't want to put in a can because like a 25 30 percent cocktail in a can when yeah people yeah. are going to drink that whole dangerous. thing and black out and yeah but I mean, even uh, there's a lot of syrup companies going out there i know the syrup cowboys and you know your favorite bartender they make some awesome mm-hmm. uh syrups maybe you can do a syrup collaboration in the bartender to go not just thinking about spirits but those canned cocktails it's pretty yeah. cool mm-hmm. yeah do who do you guys think is, is in the distilling world on your guys' side is killing it in utah or doing really well i know you said alan's doing really cool things but there's some he's doing some really cool things distillers uh, out there you're like damn that's really cool i want to yeah i heard more. sugar house is doing a lot of the drinks for um sundance oh cool oh, really? yeah that's really uh, cool that's really cool um New World, we were talking about the agave spirits earlier. Yeah. New World up in Eden actually does a lot of their stuff. They have like a agave vodka, which agave I thought was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, so it has before? a little bit of that like, I did try it. it it's a, quite a drive to get up there. but uh, And they don't really have like a full-on tasting room. It's just kind of standing room. You get like the little half-ounce yeah. Utah tasters. Uh, but yeah, the they have like, I think all of their... Hmm. Or most of their spirits, besides like their whiskey, has an agave base. Hmm. So that's really interesting. It kind of adds a little bit of that like tequila spiciness that you yeah. like associate with. Speaking of spiciness, I know uh, JP over at Hammer Spring makes this killer spicy habanero vodka. Ooh. And it's just, it makes it out of this world. Is we ever going to see a spicy, a spicy uh, liquor come out of here? Yeah. It's- 
could definitely Ooh, happen. I can see that. Um, we are playing around with a few different flavored vodkas with the new still. Yeah. We have a gin basket, which allows us to do basically everything. infuse whatever we want. We can do it like a pot infusion, oh, a vapor infusion. So there's a lot of a lot of versatility in this new equipment. That's really cool. I mean, there's some, uh, I know like Holy Stone does the purple gin, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, the butterfly pea flower. It's mm -hmm. just fantastic and beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you guys have any any uh, thoughts on crazy or new things that no one else has done? Maybe. I'm not asking you guys. Us on the spot. Tough yeah. questions. I apologize. <laughs> Cheeto-infused vodka. Cheeto <laughs> I don't think anything crazy or... Just going like, for corn, done, but... I have heard there's a company in Colorado. I played there shortly before here, mm -hmm. uh, but they were like too new. They weren't able to like actually provide the compensation that I was looking for, so I didn't accept that job. Yeah, but they were doing a sweet potato vodka, oh, which nice. I thought was really interesting. I know that not just like a potato vodka, yeah. but a sweet potato vodka so from like Colorado sure. local Colorado sweet gotcha. potatoes. Uh, some simplicity cocktails sources their vodka from potato vodka mm -hmm. i know that i think there's one more potato vodka i can't think of. i think oh i think jp from hammerspring does potato vodka i'm yeah, pretty sure i think so anyway yeah there's different ways you can i mean that'd be cool to do a potato vodka here that'd be mm. really yeah. really fascinating yeah, and i just recently found out that you can make cabbage wine i'm not i'm not saying mm. i want to do this because cabbage <laughs> has like a lot of sulfur components be awful through still <laughs> but i found out you can make a cabbage wine through a, a, a podcast called heavyweight heavyweights okay great movie by the way <laughs> and uh there's like an irish family in there that couldn't grow cabbage they had some curse they got rid of it and the one person was growing all the cabbage he could, and he was making wine out of it. Normally, with the cabbage wine, you would make like a twenty to eighty percent, like twenty cabbage, eighty grape, oh, gotcha. normal wine. He was doing like hundred percent cabbage. So you, you can, there's a lot of stuff out there that you can just yeah. like, make alcohol out of. And if you can make alcohol out of something, you can distill it. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited mm -hmm. to see what you get. This takes you this new still and this new adventure. Um, Rachel, one last question for you before I let you guys go. Um, What's something that you're looking forward to goals-wise, goal-wise for 2023? Um, I think just learning more, especially with this new still and learning more. I, you know, Trent's already putting me on assignments to learn about things. He's got a book for me to read. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so just learning more. And I want to really be as knowledgeable as Trent. So when people have the questions, I've got the answers. I love so, it. Yeah, just looking forward to that and growing, um, maybe creating some new products. Oh, I'm excited for you, Chica. I really am. It's going to be awesome. You. And you have, a, you have a cool job and you have a really cool boss. Trent's one of the, one of the sweetest guys in the in the country, or in the state, I think, you know. Uh, Trent, uh, thank you so much for taking time to sit yeah, down and, and hang out with me. Last question for you. What's some what's some uh, cherry on top of the cake, the goals that you want to uh, reach as a distiller in general? Something that Trent Moore has not done yet that he wants to do to knock it off his bucket list. Hmm. interesting question I think something that I haven't done that I want to do would be working with something outside like a grain or sugar substrate 
Mm. So like the agave spirit yeah. or maybe like sweet potatoes or who knows yeah. what kind of substrate. But something like out of the ordinary that I can, one, like ferment and distill and two, take that base and then make something extremely unique, whether it's through some kind of flavor or through some kind of aging, like different aging yeah. process. And then have a spirit that's like 100% unique to me. I think that'd be like the cherry on top. Yeah, that's really Big cool. Goal of like my distilling. Career. I hope that for you, brother. I hope that you you will make that happen. I know you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got that that charisma and that passion and that that care. You give fucks about you. your product, and it shows through it because it tastes delicious. And um, I'm always impressed with uh, your product and your. Uh, your ability just to, to stay sane in, in, in public, anyway. <laughs> so it's hard sometimes. Uh, Trent, again, thank you so much for taking the time and sitting with me and uh, letting me have a story, Rachel. It was a pleasure, and I'm excited to see where your future holds. Thank you. What holds in great. your future, and if there's anything I can do for you guys, let me know. Uh, if there's anything this community can help, whether it's distillers, brewers, ferment, you know, kombuchas, sakes, reach out. We're all we're all here to help, and you know, become a bigger family. So, on that note, my friends, until the next experience, cheers. Cheers. This has been another episode of The Tastemasters. Find us on Instagram at the underscore Tastemasters, Twitter at The Tastemasters, or on Facebook at The Tastemasters. Like, share, subscribe, DM us for any questions, or leave a review. Tell your friends, and thanks for listening. Produced and recorded at Fuse Audio. Give them a follow at Fuse underscore audio.